clear these disgusting mammal tubes, you know? Is that a football team? The mammal tubes? Scotch Hey everybody, welcome to episode 336 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I am also a games programmer for right now, at least. I'm Sam and I also pushed some game programming yesterday. Oh, that's true. Sammy's git yesterday. Amazing. We truly live in the future. Yep. Uh, and this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 5th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. And before we go any further, we have a warning. There's going to be uh, some positive profanity on this show. Mm-hmm. So get ready. Get ready for that. And we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a, a new uh, non-record, just like a one-shot Money dunk, I think it's called, yeah, uh, from term. Murakami, who did not leave a message, just straight up, just it's silently money. hurled money at in Murakami our face. sounds so. familiar, but also that kind of sounds like Konami, so maybe I'm just, you know. You might be. I wonder if it's somebody in our Discord. It sounds familiar. Getting your, getting your brain folds tangled. Yeah. Thanks, Murakami, whether yeah, I know you or not. Uh, now, we have some, some fun studio stuff to talk about, but Sam has a story to tell, and I mm. want to hear it. Yeah. So let's- Give me Let's up. do that first. So uh, a few a few days have gone by. A few days ago, my wife mm-hmm. and I decided to eat out on the back deck. Keep in mind, we live in the woods these days, right? So, uh, did you set a place for the bear? Well, so we made some uh, delicious <laughs> food. Which uh, the thing is, we have a, you know we have those sort of vents to make sure that we don't get pepper deathed anymore. So it's not like a fancy overhead vent, but it's a vent that's in the kind of like between the burners and the oven. It sucks air down into it and it shoots it out of the house. So a few weeks ago, oh. it's very cool. Oh. You know? I didn't know that the mid ones that go down. I was, this, I was considering getting one that you know, the up ones, you know, because they're just so huge. But this, and this actually, yeah. when we got the house, we were like, I don't know if this is good. It turned out it's pretty good. It works pretty well. Um, is it like, I mean, I don't, like, you don't really need to get into this. I know this isn't the point, but I'm. we'll just have to talk about this later. Oh, yeah. I'm very intrigued by this whole, by this whole concept. <laughs> I didn't know it was even this a thing, thing, but it's a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, it's cool. But the, the important note here is that a few weeks ago, Diana's uh, mother was visiting. Her mom cooked while Diana and I were on a walk. And when we were like halfway through this walk, we we're still, you know, we're hundreds of yards from the house. You start smelling the food. Okay. Because again, vent is just venting. Delicious, oh, spicy no. goodness. Oh, yes, yeah, so you can smell it on the outside. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we go outside, we make a little tray. Oh, you know, I'm a big fan of tray technology, as I've talked about in the past. Get a tray, a couple dishes on there, go outside, and uh, we're just eating. Yogi's running around the yard. Uh, you know, he does his whole perimeter check thing, comes back and is hanging out. And we're just sitting there. And then uh, in my mind, I'm like, what's Yogi doing over there? Out the sort of the corner of my eye. And I look over, and literally like 10 feet away is a fucking bear. Just somehow, this thing is. <laughs> Large, right? It had just sort of been strolling up, sauntering up, uh, essentially like right next to the patio, the back deck. Oh yeah, so and so Yogi's like looking at this bear, but not making any noise. Yogi didn't even did didn't detect in any way this bear. because his perimeter check. Yeah, this thirty seconds ago. Not, this yeah. dog of Sam's, if if it has like the vague sense that there's a dog outside of the house that it can't even see, it starts it going loses fucking yeah. wild. So, it's bark time. So he, he, literally, he had just done just a lap. Even. Yeah, he had just done a lap. Check the woods. He literally over there, presumably where the bears came from, uh, unless they were I don't know, you know, hanging out, and drove up or something. But so basically, this this uh, very large, not yogi thing, as I suddenly realize, uh, is approaching. 
And I sort of you know, stand up quickly and kick back my chair. And I'm like, bear, 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 bear. And so Diana's like, I'm back here. <laughs> and then she scoops up Yogi before Yogi can even react, which is good, uh, and sprints into the house. And meanwhile, the bear is equally as scared because it's like, what the fuck? Oh, it did, probably didn't know that anyone was even hanging out there, apparently. We had uh, jointly scared each other. So it does one of those hilarious, like, uh, I need to get away now thing, but my top half is moving at a different speed than my bottom half sort of things. So it sort of like flops backward and then reveals <laughs> that there's two more bears right behind it. Right behind it. A mother and two mm-hmm. babies, basically, is the, is the little pack. And they all just go like sprinting off into the woods uh, and then just kind of hang out on the edge of the on the edge of the yard. And I came back outside because um, I was like, these fuckers need to get get the fuck out of here and and then i was just yelling at them right and this is where this is where things get silly <laughs> because you know how in iowa when you yell at cattle or livestock right how would you guys uh-huh. how, would, how would you yell at it at a cow if you need it to like go somewhere or well, like so with cows there's a lot of yeah like, you'd be like go on around. go on get out of here yeah. get, yeah. get. <laughs> yes, uh, literally so i go out there and i'm like get <laughs> Get out! Get out! Get on out of here! And so I'm like yelling this, and Diana's inside the house. Uh, it starts recording this because she's like busting up laughing, and these—I mean, these bears are just hanging out. They're clearly waiting to see like, it's like, it's like when an Iowan yeah. ends up in in the Northeast. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what we learned from our. <laughs> I mean, when we when we go visit the because our our grand, grandparents and, and uncles run a farm, and so we go up there and you know visit periodically and go do some. The chores they would let us do because you know mm-hmm. we didn't know anything. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do distinctly remember every time they needed to get cattle or pigs or you know, to, yep. to move somewhere. There's just a lot of like get there's get a, it yeah come on. <laughs> and then, like some whistles and stuff as part of the process. Yeah, it's, yep, it's uh, yeah, yeah, lure lesions. them with whistles and make them move with get. Yep. <laughs> so I yep. geated I geated the bears until they uh, decided finally to saunter off. Uh, you know, to harass some other neighbors and stuff. But they were just very like, excited. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe we should just. This is just too scram. weird. Yep, just scram. So, well, this this implies though that you're going to have to change your outdoor eating strategy to one that mostly involves not cooking an extremely fragrant meal beforehand, and then eating that. Well, aromatic experience outside. I mean, I think, I think yep. that's one take. I think the other is that, and this is largely true for. These are black bears. They're not brown bears. They're not grizzlies, right? So yeah, black, black bears, bears are they're basically are, little dogs. Yeah, they're basically scared scared cats. And so yeah. even in this case, which is technically supposed to be like the most zany, dangerous case, which is a mother and two cubs, all of them were just like, oh, God, and just bolted as soon as we started <laughs> moving, basically, and they saw us. So uh, I'm actually less to worried be fair, about it. People are way scarier than like any other animal, yeah. know, historically speaking. Recent history. Yeah, imagine if uh, if three or four people came out of the woods while you're yeah. eating, you'd be like, "Well, get in the house. We're about to die." Oh yeah, you know, no, there would be no getting. I'd be like, "We're dead. <laughs> we're, we're dead now." Yeah, yeah. So people coming was, out of the uh, woods—that's way scarier than a bear coming. Out absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I'm sure bears feel the same way. You know, so mm-hmm. that makes sense. Can confirm. But I guess now, though, okay. So there's if there's a I got an adult bear, you got baby bears, right? So you're already. You're already in the making for some sort of a, of an act of some mm-hmm. sort, you know. So you got to get some of those big balls, those big like circus Ooh, balls, you know, right. whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, get those out there and see if you can figure out some sort of like 
approach of using a food device that's up high with the ball down below so they sort of incidentally get trained mm -hmm. to walk on the ball so, around and then you know there there's you a perfect technique for this which I can't remember mentioned from the bird feed thing that I was learning about here in the northeast but apparently you, you thread a, a long wire up between two trees and then you put your bird feeder up there right so the bears can't get it at all and then they do a thing this that they literally call pirouetting which is the bear will stand under the bird feeder trying to figure out you know doing like whatever small amount it. of mental math it has the capacity to do yeah and it'll just stand there sort of like spin around in a circle but standing <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently is very amusing. So actually, if I put a trampoline, if I dig a small hole, put a trampoline there. Well, the claws will kind of kind of oh, probably yeah, slash true. it open, though. You need some kind of a springboard or something that's more sturdy, like a mm. gymnast springboard thing. Yeah. yeah. I learned that, how to run and jump off. What is that, the horse? Yeah. Is that the horse or whatever? The, the, the pommel horse. The pommel. That they, that's the one, or, wait. How do you get on? No, the, no, no I'm not talking about the, the beam, but like the thing you use to get on. Is it called a springboard? The thing you use to get on? I think it's those? just a springboard. Sounds right. It's a, yeah, it's like a piece of wood with a spring under it or it's something. Yeah, big so. plywood with a big steel spring. I'll get one of those and then I'll put the, the bird feeder above it and then we'll do some. Yeah. Some I'm excited. I'm excited to hear future stories about gymnast bear watch. Yeah. It's uh, coming. Now, speaking of watches, we got another watch today, which is. NFT watch. NFT watch. Okay. Uh, yes. So, so NFTs and blockchain are the future of gaming and have been for the for just for for ten years, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and VR has been the future of gaming for thirty years. Yep. Um, the future hasn't come yet. Uh, <laughs> but we're and also it's just right there, you know. We're it's just so close. On the cusp. Uh, and and so far. So there, there's been a, there's been a bunch of stuff in the news this week about NFTs because people from some execs from EA are starting to talk about NFTs again. It's all about the future of gaming, future of gaming. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, you know, I just wanted to I just wanted to get our sort of like What's I want I want to you know, take you know on my, this. I mean, we, we talked about NFTs before, but I just really love just dumping on NFTs because it's just mm -hmm. the dumbest thing. It's mm -hmm. just so stupid. What? So I heard it. That's not a great description should, of this. Yeah, we should. Which is, are you going to define an NFT as part of this description? Just NFT is a non-fungible token. And the best description nothing. of what an NFT is, is, you know those websites where you can pay someone to say that you own a star? Yep. Mm, it's yes. like that. And, and they'll <laughs> guarantee that for that star and for that company who you have paid, they, they will, will not sell that star to anybody else. Right. right. So you... Can't do anything. You with don't that own star. a star because it's a star. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. All you own is a registry with that company that says that you have paid to have them say that you own the star. Yeah. Got it. Right. So, what if I want so, to make my own startup company to sell stars? I could. I could just sell that same star to somebody else. You know. Yeah. There could be a thousand different companies all selling. The same star with different registries. That's totally fine because because you're not selling the there's star. There's no there's no central authority enforcing ownership here, right? Mm. Uh, so that's what an NFT is. So you know, so so people say like it's like that, except now now you're you're pointing at a JPEG instead of a star, which right? is like, like like there's a piece of data that exists somewhere, and an NFT is you buying a. Uh, a, essentially, a document that that is a unique, non-replicable -replic document that only you have that says, "Hey, the person who sold me this deed says that I own that 
thing. So is it right? is it possible to have multiple sellers of deeds t- pointing at the same JPEG in this context? I mean, yeah. yeah, because there's no central authority here. Because you're not selling right? the JPEG, so it doesn't even have to be yours. You know, you're not selling you're the selling, JPEG. Uh, you're selling the token. You're selling so the NFT. So while it's a non fungible N- token, technically you can. The, Make as many as the, yeah, you can make as yeah. many as you want. Well, you can point them whatever you want. I'm, but also, you could, as a company, you could say, "I'm going to make a thousand tokens that all point to this thing, and I'm going to sell a thousand copies of that thing." Right. So there's no there's no rule here because all you're selling is a token. You're just selling yeah. a unique thing that a person can prove that they own in a digital way. Which and that's like that's the cool feature part is the part where it's like proving you. I can prove that this token is mine. Yeah. yeah. And the token cannot be. Uh, duplicated or replicated in a way that is meaningful, right? Yeah. So like, but but the thing that the token points at can yeah. because it's digital. So mm-hmm. right. So it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make it so that like people can't like suddenly pirate and copy and clone that JPEG that you like bought a NFT for. People can't copy and steal your NFT, but the thing that it's pointing at is still just as vulnerable as it was before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so essentially, people are like trying to basically people are always trying to find new ways to get people to to give them money for no reason. Yeah, well, I mean, because right? the technology is 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 cool. The thing that it does of allowing because also it's also a distributed mechanism of of proving ownership, mm-hmm. right? And also a distributed mechanism of exchange. So if you want to exchange your NFT or give like your NFT to somebody else, you can do that without having to involve a third party because mm-hmm. it's just how. All that tech is built. And so so the cool thing that blockchain tech in general does is that where it it decentralizes the exchange of and proof things. of ownership of a digital yeah. thing. The token specifically. Because yeah. that's the only thing. So if I so if I wanted to give my NFT, you know, to Adam that says like or, may, or maybe like in, th- in a gaming context, maybe there's a, a skin, right, that I got for a, a hero or a champion or something like that. And uh and it's a rare one and it's cool or whatever, then like in theory, if it's an NFT-based thing, then I can, outside of the context of the game somehow, pass my NFT on to Adam, right? Except here's the thing. At some point, that NFT would still need to be validated by the company who associates right. that that in-game asset with Adam's account, right? Because mm-hmm. the thing that the NFT points to is still 100% controlled by the game, Yeah. Right, right. So like it, it lives in the game, but also so, so is the so is the token in the sense that sure somebody can prove that they have the token, but but the company could just not the res- company could just, could just not, not do re- not enforce yeah, it, could just right? not do so, anything about it because there's also going to be like a user license agreement where they can dis- they will be able to decide what you can do with stuff. So in what the did game. EA yeah. have to say about this in a way that was like? They said that they're they're going to be leaning into it, and they're going to be doing a lot of work to like find new ways to use it, you know, in their future projects because they believe that it's the the future. Yeah, basically, game. it's it's all about how they're going to create. I mean, there's no details, of course, because they don't know because they're just they're just they're just they're just putting out buzzwords because they're trying to boost their stock prices, right? And that's an NFT yeah. is the current buzzwords. Um, because like what they're looking for is, is new ways to extract more money from each player, right? right? Which historically means create some sort of an economy inside of your game. And so they're looking at NFTs and being like, well, whether we can do something with these or not, we know we can get people to give us lots of money, more investment money, if we say that we're doing things, or we could boost our stock price if we say we're going to do things. So because it's the, it's the real money auction has, again, yes. 
is all that it is. And yeah, well, well, it's it's that, but with extra steps, right? Because yeah. like the real money auction house was in Diablo three. Blizzard basically just made it so that players could buy and sell items to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And like Blizzard controlled the the drop rates of those items, how they worked in the game, and all the items then just get registered in Blizzard's database, right? And then ownership of those just either points to my account or your account or whatever, right? So if I buy an item from you, that's just them updating a pointer in their database to say like, okay, this sword is no longer under Sam's name, it's now under Seth's name, mm-hmm. right? Which is exactly what an NFT is trying to achieve yes. in the sense of like, have some way to exchange ownership, right? Uh, except then you would have to also like have a middle layer of like, that still has to happen in the game, but then there's also some kind of weird NFT th- thing happening in the middle that doesn't actually add happen, right? anything to the process. So uh, yeah, it's all just goofy buzzword stuff, but yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure I took time is. to talk about how dumb it is. <laughs> yeah, but, it, I mean, but it is worse than that, right? Because in the context of video games, um, uh-huh. it doesn't it doesn't create us it doesn't create a meaningfully distinct solution, right? For any any problems so far that people have come up with. So 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 far, NFTs have basically been used to, in effect, recreate the concept of trading cards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, but as I said, you can just already do that in the context of a game. Just with a database. Yeah. And so, because the other defining feature of blockchain technology is computational complexity. That's that's actually how it works. It works by being really costly in the sense of like how much a CPU has to work to do things with it. Because um, because transactions have to be validated in a decentralized way, yeah. so it's like if and minting if tokens, wanna, you have to be able to guarantee that somebody can't just mint a token. That's the other part too, right? Yeah. So if I wanted to like buy a, a sword from Sam in a game, but that used you know NFTs or it was it was blockchain based, right? Then then. I would basically have to, as in making that transaction, both of our systems would talk to everybody else who is involved in the system and be like, "Hey, our records say that he's giving me this sword." Yeah. Is and now everybody is else actually, has to do Is it actually his? And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is it actually his? And everybody's, everybody's like, "Yep, that's his." And then I'd be like, "Okay, now update everybody's records to say that it's mine." So then, yeah. Now everybody says that. And it's so, mine. sort of, of sort of the, yeah. the the big argument or the the big driving argument for blockchain um, is is that is that it has this decentralized thing so that no so that no central authority gets to decide. Oh no, you cannot make this transaction, right? Or mm-hmm. no, even though you say you own it, I'm going to just say you don't or whatever, right? It is that it, it can't be regulated, so it can't be regulated in that way. No, nobody can come in and say that this transaction isn't allowed or what like you just if you yeah. want to get if you want to do it you can just do it yep that's but, it but then yeah. that doesn't matter when you're associating the token with because it's like for like bitcoin or like things that are being used as currency which is not what nfts are for for things right. that are used the as currency is the thing the token is the thing right so proving that, that you, you own exchange, it yeah. and like you exchange it like you're exchanging it's equivalent something to having the value associated with it yeah right yeah. it's and, but if you as soon as you map it onto a thing though then the whole concept of decentralization only works if the thing you're pointing at is also decentralized somehow and and maps one to one onto that token somehow right right because otherwise you're not actually accomplishing anything um but then to so 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 like the the reason doesn't make sense there. But then, so now all of a sudden you're doing this thing for no reason that you could all, because like, if you think about what's happening here, you're replacing this like uh, distributed mechanism or you're using a distributed mechanism to replace what normally is just happening in a database where like if 
somebody's playing a game that we make and we want to give them a unique thing, we just use a random string generator that is doesn't it takes no effort. We, we literally can slap like six uh, letters together and be like, oh, that's probably unique because there's like a jillion combinations of Good six enough. letters, right? And then we can just say, okay, so we did this, and now we're going to store this in the database and map it onto like this thing that we gave you, right? And then the person doesn't see that, right? It's secret. It's a secret thing. And so if they want to exchange, then they still might be exchanging that secret in the background, whatever. We can handle it however we want. It doesn't matter. Um, but it is the thing, actually. And it's yeah. being... Well, and right? actually, when we were developing Levelhead, we this was like in peak blockchain hype. Yeah. Uh, around the... Or, the, or I, I would say peak... The start of blockchain hype yeah. was around the time we were making Levelhead. And we had some conversations with people who, who actually said to us, like, you should put the levels on the blockchain and make it so that a level is is unique is uniquely held by one person at a time and that and that in order for somebody to play a level they have to be like handed that level via a blockchain transaction mm-hmm. and we were like why why, why would we that? that's, <laughs> like, a, that's like, a horrible that, gameplay like, experience why would you do that though yeah and so right there now, was no there was no follow up logic it was just no. like you should use blockchain to do that. Yeah. right so right now uh, we're in the solutions looking for a problem phase of nfts yes. right which is that they don't actually accomplish anything um and so so the thing that they do is is like the, they're being treated as trading cards that's like that's what their purpose is and people trying to match this in a game so that's like the, the there are the two on top of what we've already talked about, there are two things in the ways that are very annoying about this. So one of them is that because we're distributing that cost and intentionally using computationally costly mechanisms to manage all of this, then we're just burning, we're burning collectively, we're burning people's machines up. We're burning their we're burning their computers up, their phones, it's like because those are the devices that are actually doing the work. Right? Oh yeah. The energy demands and then the energy demands stuff is is are huge. paired with that. Yeah. So the energy yeah. demand to actually do this is really, really high. And so, so we're, so we're doing a thing that doesn't accomplish anything. Right. Uh, and, and, and then to do it, we're basically destroying so much actual value in the real world and also the planet at the same time. Right. So it's a very dumb, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an absurdist kind of, kind of a thing to, to be doing. Right. But that's the one. And the second one is that the, the things that people are arguing for in video games is they're like, comes back to that decentralization thing again, right? Because they're like, ooh, this this lets us escape from the man being, you know, the man being video game companies. So so what people <laughs> are imagining is that, oh, like I get this gun in this game. It's always guns, because somehow those two the people who are into that are, you know, anyway. So it's always so, guns. Yeah. So I get this gun, it's got this unique properties, right? And I'm like, oh dope. So this is my this is my gun. And now I want to give it to somebody else, right? So I just like, I just can, I can just do it. And the company can't do anything about that. Like I, I just get full control over this economy. It can happen outside the game, right? And on the one hand, that's true, but it's only true if the company honors that so thing. Honors the company yeah. yeah. If the company allows it, because yeah, sure. You can trade the NFT. That's fine. But now if you come in, because like, the argument that I've been seeing for players is like, ooh, now when like the company decides they're going to nerf some like gun or something in the game, like I still get to have the one that I had, right? Because like no, they can still nerf it. It's like yeah, they yeah. can still nerf it. And in they fact, can do whatever. if they didn't, <laughs> if they just like let you have whatever you had, what that means now is you're going to be playing a broken ass game where like every interaction you have with and in the game is going to be populated by people with random out of balance things, right? So yeah. like, why would that? Because people are only thinking about themselves. Why would that be like, good? It would yeah. be so great if I had this like god tier weapon that nobody could take away from me. It's like well, and of course nobody thinks about it the other way, which is like, what if what if the company wants to to 
buff your weapon? What if they want to improve your weapon? Can't do that. Yep. And the way that you understand this, how this works, is that you know your weapon has fixed properties because it's tied to an NFT, which again is not would not be the yep. case. But if you, if you thought that that's how that worked, <laughs> then like then that you would also have to agree to the downside of it, which is that the thing that you have can never improve. Or like, what if there's a bug in the way that the gun works? Mm, yep. Do you do you think that that would be immutable? Like, no. Like, doesn't make any of sense. Of course, of course, the company would be able to patch. But then also, the game. <laughs> why? Why would the company? Because the other thing is like, and this is also why I don't really think EA, if EA is going to do this, they're going to do it kind of in the same way that other people are, which is basically as a money money laundering scheme, uh, where yeah. it's just like they they just know that that's what's going on. But this whole idea of like taking taking the transaction out of the game away from that company. None of these big companies are going to do that, right? Because no, they're they, going to make they're going to make a marketplace for you players make a marketplace for because yeah. otherwise yeah, otherwise exchange. they wouldn't do it this way, right? And and again, it's because it doesn't matter if you exchange the NFT outside because they can keep track in the game of who has the NFTs. So like if you come into the game and like they look at the NFT that you claim to now have and they're like, oh yeah, you do have that NFT. Uh, we're not going to charge you a transaction fee because we know that it got transacted because yeah. somebody else has it now and they can see that, yeah. right? Because they also can see the blockchain or your NFT chain, right? Yeah. So, what so, they, so they actually, so they could make it so that they don't even have to set up a market. They can, they can watch for when an exchange takes place, and they yeah, can, they just can like, let everybody else burn up their machines. Right? They can as, just charge you like ten machine. cents whenever you exchange something, and they don't even have to mediate the transaction. They'll just yeah. charge. What you. about <laughs> NFT Pokemon? You know, I think that's also you know part of the dream. Oh, yeah, you want to own Pikachu? Just I want to own Pikachu. my own. The Pikachu that I got is mine, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, also, I mean, it's the same thing. Pikachu is just a gun with fur. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> a, a lightning gun. With fur. In this context, like to be yeah, fair, all anything of in a video game, horrifying. Uh, you know, yeah, street yeah. battle sort of situation. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's, as people are talking about NFTs and blockchain stuff, like it's, it, it's just a goofy, it's just a goofy, it's, what is it? There was that like a tulip thing that happened like a yep. few hundred years ago yeah, where the like Dutch, every, the Dutch tulip craze of, yeah, like years everybody years was like stock market. Yeah. It was like speculating on tulips and shit for yep. no reason. And that, yeah, like, I mean. Tulips are dope, and, 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 But here's the thing, like <laughs> there's enough believers in these in terms of like, at, like when it came to the tulip stuff, people were just like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm going to get in on this. And I, like people generally kind of understood that like there was no reason for this to be happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just saw happening. the, they saw the, but there's money it was to happening made. though. It's and there's like money to be made. Yeah. So, yeah. so you get in. Right. Uh, and then, but then on the, on the crypto slash NFT stuff, uh, Work. there are people who truly believe that this has a real useful purpose that adds value to the world. And so there's kind of like this strange mixture of people jumping in on the speculation side of it. And they're just like, I don't know, but there's like money. So I'm going to do it. Um, and then there's people it's, who th- it's almost as if like, if you're in the tulip craze time, right. And someone was like, no, 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 but listen, tulips. Yeah, th- but listen, this actually okay. matters though. <laughs> yeah. Tulips are the future of industry or the yeah. future <laughs> of blacksmithing or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. When of course, like there's no, there's no truly defensible reason as to why they would they could actually think that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, imagine that. So for with, NFTs, for like for for blockchain uh, currencies, that like that's a good mapping. But now imagine if we're going to map this onto NFTs, it's now yeah. onto the tulip craze. This is now you go you go buy a tulip bulb, right? Because that's how they come, I yeah. assume. So you get a tulip bulb, and then when you buy it from the person, they say, I don't know. Technically, yes, you're buying this bulb, but actually. This bulb is proof that you have bought the Mona Lisa from me. I don't own the Mona Lisa, right? But yeah. 
But I'm, I'm only going to sell this bulb represents the Mona Lisa, and I'm going to sell this bulb to you. And I'm not going to make, I'm not going to just randomly decide that any other bulb that I sell to anybody also points the Mona Lisa. Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you, now this bulb is the Mona Lisa. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So now if you, now you are free to go sell the Mona Lisa via this bulb to anybody you want, right? Mm-hmm. So it's decentralized. It's decentralized. Just go. That's, that's, that's what currencies are. <laughs> and then you show up, you know, at the Mona Lisa and- uh, And they're like, like, oh no, this fine. is staying here. This is yeah. staying in the museum. What are you talking like, about? No, no, yeah. no, you silly child. You don't own shit. You own a tulip bulb. You own a tulip bulb. That's get what you, that's what you this, bought. Yeah, yeah. Get, the, get, get out, out of this gallery. <laughs> but at least yeah. in that case, you can go like plant that tulip bulb and get a dope tulip, you know? So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe something. eat it. I don't know if they're edible, but you could probably try to eat it. Yeah, or throw it at something. Yeah, There's I think, plenty uh, of uses for a tulip bulb. There was, for in terms of like the, but the blockchain and the kind of NFT phase that we're in right now, uh, we're already past that early window where there was a whole bunch of like, that was where all like the, the, you know, the starry-eyed people who were like so excited about what this could be, et cetera. Like some, some kind of cool things happened at first, which was like, oh yeah, blockchain for, you know, remember that little sliver of time before blockchain got so expensive and so volatile? It was always volatile, but it was also cheap, so it didn't matter, right? But yeah. before that, where people actually were starting to build it into payment systems where they're like, oh yeah, you want to buy this with blockchain, right? And yeah, you could to- go to Star- you could like in some places in the world, like you could go into a Starbucks and use a Bitcoin yeah. to buy a cup of coffee. Yeah. One of our web hosts because actually- a, Because a Bitcoin was like $3. Yeah. One of our, one of our web hosts for, for like our old B-Sketch ID tech um, took Bitcoin as payment for like, we didn't, I didn't use that, but they had it for like maybe six months or something. Um, and then took it away because they were like, no, this is this is too insane. We don't. We can't. Yeah, the this. price of this is random. It's just of random. Course, if they if they had accepted a lot of bitcoins as payment and then kept them, you know, they'd yeah, be at a that pretty would be decent, a good, a good place to be. All right now, because another another sort of important thing about currency is that it should be stable and <laughs> and and you should you should be able to use it as a as an as a medium of exchange because it has a, a knowable value, right? Like yep. if today a loaf of bread costs me a dollar fifty, and then tomorrow it costs eighteen hundred dollars, yep. and then the next day it's four cents. Like that is, I can't. That's not money. It's not a currency. I can't use. I can't use my well, yeah, money to buy that. Exactly. Right? That's where this. That's where all of it falls apart. Right? Is that the money doesn't work because it because it has to be regulated. It has to, to be, be regulated to have a, a consistent value. <laughs> And so that doesn't work. Yeah. And then you can't, it isn't, it isn't the thing that you claim that you're using to trade with it. Like that it's identifying. Right. So like that also doesn't work. So, you know, why, it's, <laughs> why are we doing this? It's yeah. It's, it's, it's all very silly. Uh, yeah. So anyways, let's, let's get off this. So I mean, as, 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 I, I love dunking on blockchain and NFTs, but. Oh yeah. And I, it is like <laughs> one of my, one of the only reasons I, I like hang out on Twitter now at all is because there's so much dunking on NFTs and blockchain <laughs> and re- reading people's rants are just so fucking hilarious. Um, and, uh, and then watching people come in trying to explain like, no, no, actually this is good. Right. And here's, here's why. And having it never, it just never, it never lands. It never, it never gets there. And I, and yeah, I still can't figure like, out. No, that's still not good. That's still not yeah. good. That's, <laughs> it's wild. It's kind of fun uh, to be in this, like in these kinds of historical times when there's a large, it's like the, like we were too young to like really experience the dot-com bubble in a meaningful way. Right. Right. But we've just been like, we've just been living through block the blockchain bubble, just like watching it unfold mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. us. Right. And just like the dot-com bubble, like I started off really promising and some, a lot of money was made and some cool things kind of happened. And then the scammers came in 
And then the big money came in, and then it became basically this like hyperinflated uh, trading card game that um, just collapsed, right? And we're just like we're watching that happen mm-hmm. with blockchain NFTs because because now like today, literally anything you see about NFT, if it's like comes into your periphery, is either is either somebody ranting about how dumb it is or somebody who's ranting about how great it is trying to scam you, right? Those are yep. that's where we're at now. <laughs> like we've already we've already gone over that peak of like. There was some cool stuff happening into just the scammer territory. Well, no, I, no, but it's it's not just people trying to scam who are talking about how great it is. I think, oh, no, no, I think, there, I think there are people yeah. who who like somehow just really think that this is some kind of a silver bullet solution to a problem that they think is there. Uh, and it's but it's just that whenever it gets articulated, it just I, I just I just it requires can't. ignoring a lot of facts about the world to yeah, yeah. to have it yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's not to say that. Yeah, I don't want to imply that. Yeah, literally if, everybody if really, doing, if you're really into it, you're you're not you're not necessarily a scam. No, no, no. Right? But, it's just, but you are. There are got a many, lot of many scammers. <laughs> there are many, many scammers now who are really into it. Um, it's a good. It's a good vehicle. For yeah, that. but part of it is is because it's impossible to articulate its actual value because it doesn't have any. And so now that's the place where scammers can come in and they, and they get to now live in that hype space that all the people who are not scammers are also building. Yep. Right. Because it's all hype, and then the scammers can just come in and just wreak havoc. On yeah. Them. Now, which isn't to say, much like the tulip thing, like if if you feel like you're in a position where you understand what's going on and you think you can make a lot of money by like investing in a cryptocurrency or something, I mean, okay. Hey, I mean, have fun. yeah, I don't care. It's yeah. yeah, yeah you, if you're you, selling you know? your art via NFTs. And you're cool. making a bunch of money, like fuck yeah, fuck yeah. like yeah. do that, yeah. do that. You know. Um, although, yeah. I mean. Again, like the environmental implications are not awesome, so it does suck. But you know, you gotta you this gotta is, look out for number one also because because <laughs> yeah. that's where we live. Well, and it's uh, hard for me to imagine that like a you know one one artist like using an NFT to flag you know one piece of art they made uh, like that that actually matters. You know, from when the it comes to any like, one environmental thing is, impact, is small. You know, it's yeah. the global. It's the whole the whole system. Yeah. That's, and and and, and, and I will so. say like it's environmentally bad, and we shouldn't be doing any of this stuff. That's that that's true. But it still pales in comparison to all the shit, all the industry shit that you yeah. just let happen. Yeah. So, you know, make sure it's, you're targeting all, the ire in the right place, you know? Yeah, it's all part of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get on to some questions. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, our highest uploaded question comes from Beaky Bop Boop, who says, if you had to work together to write a piece of fiction, what would it be about? Would you do something based on the BSU, which is the Bureau of Shipping Universe, or the Butterscotch Shenanigans Universe? I don't know. I They're the same term. thing. Uh, mm. Or would you want to try something different? How would you go about writing a novel as a team? Uh, real quick, ah. unrelated side note while you guys were thinking. At some point, I was looking into domains, web domains, that were like mm-hmm. Bureau of Shipping related. But the problem is that spelling bureau is impossible. Like I couldn't do it, and I was like, nobody else can either. So this isn't <laughs> going to work. Uh huh. Just as an aside, you could change uh-huh. it to burro in Spanish, which burro. is donkey. So donkey, donkey of shipping. Yeah, there you go. Donkey shenanigans was mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, okay. So how would you go about writing we- a novel as a unit? I think we're largely the same way that we go about doing game stuff as a unit. Um, you know, like it's it's kind of all the same. All of these are the same problem when you get down to the core of it, which is being able to identify what those you know major tenets are of what you're trying to accomplish, and then kind of the emotional stakes involved because it's an entertainment product. So what the emotional stakes are, plotting out the 
the storyline, et cetera, and then just collaborating to kind of knock it all out. I think. And building I, tools. Yeah, a lot of it's tool-based, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and we would need somebody who is responsible for forging ahead and making contacts and relationships with publishers and platforms so that when the novel yeah. is done, that we have a way to, you know, get it out there, right? Because, yeah. like, essentially, yeah, essentially you'd have, like, one person who is primarily writing, mm-hmm. one person who is supporting that writing via tools development, making sure that that person has what they need, mm-hmm. right? And also giving lots of uh, feedback and editing support. Mm-hmm. And then you would, and then you would have a third person who is mostly handling the 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 business and marketing side of yeah, getting all those of, connections. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is what happens. In in actual novel writing, it's just that well, they usually you know, do. Oftentimes, it's they like have an, a, agent, like an yeah. agent. Yeah, it's an yeah. agent relationship, and they just have whatever um, tools they can get, which are all pieces of shit, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll yeah. use like yeah, good, you know, well, they're not all pieces of shit necessarily, but they all have strong opinions about how you're supposed to do. They the do, work. and they and they don't do a lot for you when it comes to creating large scale. Uh, writing projects. Yeah. So I, I know this because my because my wife does uh, has been doing writing for three years now, um, mm-hmm. uh, full time ish, um, and uh, and she like me is obsessed with like process and having the tools be good. And so she's tried like all of them, just all the tools that are out there, you know. And yeah, it's not that any one is like necessarily just just straight up bad. It's just that none of them are designed around solving the this problem in a really like technical way that allows it to scale to to the size of like a novel or like a series of novels. If you're talking about somebody like, take yeah. like Brandon Sanderson, who like he'll, he'll throw together a series of like 12 books, each one of which is a thousand pages long, right? Yep. Uh, like a, the amount of data that you're dealing with there and like trying to keep things consistent. So if you- And it's totally linear. Like it's, it's all it's totally just linear. listed in like page after page after page after page. Yeah. How do you find how do you, something? How do you right? manage that? Yeah. And so, so just like with a video game- uh, or any other large scale endeavor, a business, to, to, like anything yeah. that has is complex and has lots of parts, you need ways to be able to track and monitor all the different components. And this is that's what I talk to my wife about. Where I'll be like, how do you like if you want to if you have a character, right? How do you keep track of that character's properties so that you can refer to it and be like, oh shit, like what color was this character's eyes? I'm about to reference their eyes for some reason, right? Uh, or if you decide you want to change something about that character, like their name, because you go like. Realize, oh shit! I, I'm going to publish this thing, but a new book just came out. whose main character is also called this, and it's right in my genre. That's going to be fucking weird or something, right? How do you rename that character? Well, you just basically do a find and replace, and hope you caught all of them because of all the variations on the name, right? Like, why isn't you need like a, a system that actually has all these things hook into each other the same way that databases work by having all the things, all the getting rid of all your drive violations, right? It's well, all beyond that place. too. I think, cause it, I think it's, it's easy to think about not having to worry about this too much when it comes to like your main character, right? Like the, yeah. whoever, whoever the story is largely about, because like you but typically you have them so in mind, lines. you know, it's kind of fine. Yeah. But like yeah. once you get into, yeah, all the locations, uh, all the supporting characters and then yep. spread across multiple books, like I can totally imagine a situation where you write about a character only to realize that like they can't have, they can't be here right now. Yeah, this is not possible. Because right. like, it's not possible. I'm being like, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, e- even something as simple as as being able to say like, when when a piece of the story is happening, mm-hmm. right? So so for example, like if you if you could like timestamp a paragraph, right? And say like, this is happening like on day three or something like yeah. that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then, and then you're like writing about the characters and stuff like that. Then, then you could, you could in theory sort of like 
if you had some kind of a like a library of character objects, right, that you can mm-hmm. click into and see like, okay, where does this character appear and what is their timeline? Yeah, where like, is where is everybody as the as the novel progresses? Yeah. Like on day one, this character shows up in like this in these few places in chapter one, and then they are gone in chapter two, and then like on day three, they're back again in chapter five, you know, whatever. Um, right. And so like, yeah, so because it there's and maybe maybe this is a question of like object oriented novel writing, right? Where you could essentially yeah. like like create a bucket of information about a character. So that way, for example, instead of having to like write the character's name in a in a paragraph, you could actually like you refer reference to the character. The, yeah. You reference yep. the character's like object ID, like, you know, uh uh like put like a um, maybe like a dollar because there's always like a like a markdown shorthand or something, right? It's like yeah. dollar sign Steve, right? Which is just like that's the shorthand for like just the Steve object, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then if if Steve's name actually changes or something, then doesn't even matter. Because because there's also a in, in code, there's a compile step, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is you write all the code, um, and then it gets actually like converted into something else that the machine can use, right? So in this case, you would go the other way, which is while you're writing the novel, you would actually be able to use like shorthand things to make easy references to stuff that then gets mm-hmm. banked somewhere for you to also be able to look up and reference. But then when you you know sort of compile the novel, it would spit out the actual like human readable you know, uh, versions of this. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I think pretty th- dope. This is the stuff that I actually start getting really excited. So I was you know, talking to my wife about this stuff too. I'm always like, you always start collaborating on some, some like software, you know, to, to do novel running stuff. Cause like, it sounds like, cause it starts to sound really fun all of a sudden. I mean, the technical side, cause that's the part I prefer anyway, but even like the writing, cause, cause now at this stage of having made software for so long and like thought about all these things so much and like seeing the same kinds of problems over and over again and solve them with tools and so on and seeing that they're all the same problem. Now, one of the things that makes it really, really hard for me to sit down and like write something, not even a novel, just like just something, right? Is just how little support you is get. how I have the, no support and like, and I, the tool. And, yeah, and I have like a word in one place and it's like, and the, and the tool doesn't know what that word means, unlike in programming where everything's, it's completely unambiguous, right? And like if I want to refactor something, which just means change it so that the outcome is the same, but it looks different. If I want to refactor something or like change somebody's name or whatever, uh, or, um, or like I was actually doing this. With a little side project I was doing where I was writing up some stuff about automation and like kind of a beginner's guide to automation, right? And I was making it as a website. And at some point I was like defining all these terms and like trying to figure out how it, and I was like, people could come in and read any part of this, right? And if they don't know what I mean by this term, like how do I tell, like how do I make it so that they see that word there and that word just like they can click on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like every time they see that word, they can just click on it and it's like little pop-up things like this means this, you know, whatever, right? It's like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, where everything becomes interactive and meaningful and it's all connected in this really coupled way so that you can change a thing in one place and have it cascade everywhere. It's a visualization problem mainly, which is like just yeah. the, strict, the strict linearity. Because when you're putting together its story, it's like putting together a game or anything else that's complicated, which is that you can't always go through it from start to finish, right? There's no And there's no, yeah. there's no tooling assistance associated with revisualizing essentially, you know, the story in a variety of different ways, whether it's like a timeline view. Uh, yeah. Well, and there probably the is like to some view. extent. Yeah. Cause like, I, cause I know some of the tools have like the little bits of these components, but none of them just really go all in, you know, where it's like, this is the thing that supports the kinds of problems that you have in large scale writing of some, of some project. Well, even, even something like if you had some kind of an object oriented thing, right? So let's say you're like, you're writing a paragraph 
And like these two characters are both referenced in that paragraph, right? And they're sort of like talking to each other or even just like one of them is talking about the other one or something like that, right? Uh, the fact that that you wouldn't easily be able as an author, like let's say you've got a thousand pages, right? Mm-hmm. That you wouldn't easily be able as an author to say like, where are all of the places where these two characters Interact. are interacting? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not queryable, so, right? You can't do yeah. like yeah. You can search for one of them. You can search for the other one. It's like okay, this one has like three thousand five hundred references, and that other one has like nine thousand references, right? Yep. But do you know that they only actually talk to or about each other in three places? Like mm-hmm. no, right? Uh, there's yeah, there is no queryable. There, there's no like centralized place where as you're writing information gets automatically sort of processed and handled in that way that you can then go refer to, right? So editing stuff is really hard, making a really uh, a story with really good continuity uh, and and good sort of like consistency of character, or like you said, timelines, stuff like that. Like one of the things that happened and that everybody goes nuts about in the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, I mean, one, one of many things. a lot, yeah. Is how is how for the first six seasons actually, um, the the world was very large, and whenever a character needed to be somewhere, them just getting to that place was often like part of the story of an entire season, right? Yep. And sometimes they wouldn't even get there that season; they might get there the next <laughs> yeah. season, right? Yep. Um, because the world is big, and anything could happen as you're traveling. And also, those journeys are part of the character's development because they meet people and stuff happens, right? And then suddenly, toward like partway through season seven, and then all of season eight, characters just suddenly are places; they're mm-hmm. just there now. Uh, and it's, there was an especially egregious one where they always talked about like the the area beyond the wall in the north and how it's like this forbidden hellscape and it's so hard to travel in and whatever. <clears throat> so these this crew goes up there and they're like pushing they're pushing in and it's days and days and days of travel because they're trying to capture a zombie. I'm spoiling this, but the show's, you know, get over it. Get over <laughs> it. Uh so they're trying to capture a zombie. They're on this big expedition. They they get over absolutely overwhelmed by zombies. And then they're like Oh no, we're going to die like right now. We're going to die right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's pick the fastest runner among us to go back and send a message to get help. Okay. Yeah, so a this, message by crow that has to like fly God knows how far. Well, no, for, first a the, guy ran. Yeah, right. The, yeah. He ran what took the original crew like a week. By he boat. just ran that in like a minute. And then <laughs> and suddenly he was just back there. And then he sends a crow to like another continent and then a person flies from that continent on a dragon and shows up and rescues these people just like just to, at the last second, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, it feels like that had to have all happened within like <laughs> so suddenly hours? these these, yeah, yeah. these things that were that were like vast distances that took entire seasons to cross suddenly are happening in a in a two minute span in the show, um, and everything is just absolutely broken, right? Mm. And so there's a question there of like either either this was a deliberate choice because the writers said like. We have to like we have to we've decided that this thing has to happen and we're just gonna sort of take all the liberties we need to make it happen, mm-hmm. or they genuinely didn't understand <laughs> that the context in which they were writing the story and somehow they didn't have what they needed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think that's less likely given the resources that they had, Definitely. but still yeah. it can be really hard to keep track of just all of the things, right? 
Yeah. And it makes sense because you don't yeah. always necessarily, you're not always going for like making sure everything is absolutely consistent. Right. But, but it does depend. Cause like, cause there are, while some, while some authors are in some circumstances, you don't care, or at least not as much. Um, it is still good to know just how egregious it is so that you have to make decisions. But also, more importantly, there are many authors for whom that is very important, where they want everything to be like consistent and to line up, especially with like epic fantasies and things, right? Um, and those tend to be the most complicated things too. Like the people who want it to be accurate, like internally consistent, are the people who also like have a lot of shit that needs well, to be it's accurate. The, it's the world building. Yeah, it's the world building things. Even right? beyond that though, the reality is that like all these really interesting uh, facts about your world that are hard to keep in mind you know, separately, accurately mm -hmm. are also really good creative constraints, right? Because if you're like, yeah, oh, like I, you know, I do want this particular kind of thing to happen with, say, this this crew of people, you know, breaching the wall, going going far north, doing this thing, but uh, you know, actually, yeah, right. According but to for that to happen, yeah. So like a crow, like this is how like the crow time works. This is like technically how long the ride would take, and so you got so like actually figuring it out in a way that it's not a constraint. It's actually a really fun. It becomes a, more interesting about the problem solving aspect of the storytelling, the story you want to tell, mm -hmm. uh, which is typically where like really that's where really surprising fun stuff happens. You know, they talk about like yeah, because they have to figure out how do I make the thing I want to have happen happen. Yeah, given while the context, or you or you, or you flip it around and you say okay this is what I think these characters would do. Like they would try to go get a white Walker, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, try to go get one of these zombies. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I also know that like, there's just hundreds of thousands of these zombies and they tend to travel together and the characters don't really know that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, they're just going to die. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that's just what, like, there's nothing, there's just no recourse for that. And that's just what's going to happen in the story. And then I'll just, you know, whatever happens next is just going to happen next. Right. <laughs> and that's actually what made the original uh, seasons of Game of Thrones so interesting was that that is kind of how it worked. Right. It's like the, the story didn't actually have an obvious direction to it. Well, yeah. I that mean, was, it's historical that was, that was, fantasy, right? It's told yeah, as things if, were, like, here are things that happen. And just like in real life, like they don't happen for a reason. They just yeah. Here's what happened. And th nothing was supposed to happen. Things just did happen because that was just what was going to happen next uh, based on what was going on right now, right? Like one thing led to another, I think, is kind of – Yep. <laughs> um, and and once, once things stop leading to another and stuff is just kind of happening because you're like, oh, it would be cool if this and then it would be cool if that happened. And then you just try to like just, just ignore every aspect of character development and location and story and whatever – to try to make a cool thing happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was even stuff like, what, like all, all of, like this entire army gets absolutely wiped out in the last season of Game of Thrones. And then in the next episode, they're back now. They're just there. They're back now because it was it was inconvenient for where they wanted the story to go to have them all be dead. Yep. And so they're just back now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I think... No amount of tooling solve potentially yeah. can solve the problem just of just Doing being that. so dis disrespectful of your own uh, your own IP or like your own story like that. You know, nothing can get you past that. But, but yeah, it might help you to so, create compelling IPs in the first place, which is the point, right? 
Yeah. But if you have malice toward your own IPs, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, like you, that's your you own, were, your soul has been lost forever. That's something uh, you got to you got to work out. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I think that's how we would do it. And that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.